Thank you, Gary, and all of you. Um, it's brilliant to be here today. Can you all hear me all right? Is this good enough? Yeah, this will do it. Right. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, my name's Alute. Lots of familiar faces, but some unfamiliar ones. Um, and I used to go to this church. When did I start going to come here? Um, after I graduated, so 2012 till last year. That's a long, long time, isn't it? So I've seen some of these young ones like grow from little saplings of people to bigger <laughs> saplings of people. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> I know. And soon they will be trees, in Jesus' name. So, um, but, but things like uh, what happened on Monday make you think, don't they? And they make you think about your own life, about the things that God has given you, and the gifts that God has given you. And sometimes we wait, don't we, until it's too late to be thankful for a gift, or to tell somebody, like, thank you for the great thing they did for you. So I literally honestly want to say, like, I'm so thankful for all of, all of you guys. You've been such a blessing to me. Um, Obviously, I've taught you stuff. I feel like you've all taught me more, all right? So I want to say that, first of all. Um, and then thinking about what I'm going to talk about today. Gary did mention, oh, you know, what God's put on Alute's heart for the last week or so. It's been longer than a week. I've been thinking about this. I'm prepared-ish. Um, <laughs> so the thing I've been thinking about is just one word. So one word's really been on my heart for the last couple, last couple of weeks. Um, Exactly, everyone loves flip charts. I'm sure, exactly, this is a chorus of like, hallelujahs, like, we're excited about this, this is a good time. <laughs> so, so there's been one word, um, and not necessarily just about today, but generally just like, in my own life, there's been one word that's really been on my heart um, last literally couple of months. And that word is not Jesus. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just about, just about going there. Um, and I hope everyone can see that clear enough. So that word is identity. That word is identity. And with that word comes a question. And it's a really simple question. And lots of you guys are doing exams. And lots of us have done exams. And in every single exam you do, you'll get this question. Really, really simple. It's who are you? Right? That is the one question you should almost always get right. Okay, if you've got marks for it, you should, you should at least come up with like one or two marks, right? Um, and when we try and answer that question, or if I was to ask any of you that question, what would you say? What would you say if I was to ask who you are? Well, I hope you'd start with your name. That's a pretty simple one. That's pretty basic. And again, that should be straight off the top of your head. You don't have, shouldn't have to look at your driver's license. Um, that should be clear. But there are other ways that we identify ourselves. And often those ways, those ways aren't actually very helpful. Um, so one way that we could identify ourselves is maybe by saying like, what job we do. Do we do a kind of corporate job in London, which means we have no soul and we only care about ourselves? Um, <laughs> or, or do we do a really caring job, you know, locally, where we actually kind of care about people? We put people into those boxes, don't we? Um, if you tell me what you do, I automatically have an idea in my head about who you are. But that might not be perfect. It might not quite be right. Um, if you're younger, maybe you'll tell me what year you're in. Hopefully you know that again off the top of your head. Um, or you might tell me what school you go to. You might say, Billericay School or Mayfowl School. Or, God forbid, you'd say a different school. No, don't do that. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe if you tell me Billericay School, again, I'll have an idea in my head. Okay, you're, you're one of those people. So you're in that box. But, um, but maybe, again, that's not, that's not majorly helpful, is it? That doesn't necessarily tell me who you are really as a person. Um, but I thought maybe I'd try that anyway. So I brought some stuff along today that might describe to you who I am, okay? 
So I used to go to Anglo-European school. Does any, anybody here go to Anglo? Oh, okay, there is someone. This is amazing. It's a revelation. Um, so in, so on the 4th of October, 2006, okay, Anglo-European school wrote to me, or they wrote to my parents, more effectively, right. Now, I, am, I was a good child, so this is a while ago, isn't it? It's like 11 years ago. Um, so I'd have been, what, 14? And I was a good 14-year-old, I believe, in my own memory. I think I was a great person at that point. Um, <laughs> but on the 4th of October, 2006, Anglo-European school wrote to me and they said this, Dear Dr. and Mr. Og- Mrs. Ogregbe, there was an incident on the, Nib, uh, on the Nibs number 50 bus this morning in which Alute was involved. Can you believe that? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> that doesn't sound right to me. Like, first of all, I read that, this, is, this must have been plagiarized. It doesn't make sense. Um, pieces of chocolate were being thrown on the top deck now. First of all, <laughs> for anyone who knows me, they know I don't like chocolate. So it doesn't, you know what I mean? The person doesn't fit the crime. It already doesn't make sense. Um, Followed by pieces of fruit. To be fair, I do like fruit. That's semi-believable. Um, causing a considerable mess on the floor and the seats. Terrible times. To his credit, to his credit, okay, Alute admitted his involvement and gave a truthful account of the events that occurred. Can I? Can I? <laughs> the kind of beha- this kind of behaviour cannot be tolerated. Cannot be tolerated, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Alute has been given a lunchtime detention by way of punishment as he only played a minor role in the incident. If I only played a minor role, why did I lose my whole lunchtime? Again, (laughs) it's like, I study law. I think that's too much. That's not a reasonable punishment for the crime. So So maybe that'll tell you something a bit about me. That's a bit about my history. That's something I've done in my life. Um... Also in here, I have my year 11 mock GCSE examination results. Uh, A in business studies, not bad. An F in graphics. Now, graphics. (laughs) (laughs) No, see, again, that that, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like me, (laughs) to be honest. Or, um, I mean, maybe, yeah, you could look at, like, my A-level results. Maybe that would tell you something about me, what I achieved at A-level. I can also show you my, I'll tell you a bit more about I went to law school. Um, so there's a lot of stuff there. Maybe that will tell you who I am. Maybe that will tell you a bit more about my identity to answer that question of who are you. Um, and some of us like to identify ourselves by the things we do for God. Now that seems like the right thing to do, right? That seems to make sense. Um, so here I have notes from like sermons I've preached before, places I've been. Um, I even have, for those of you in youth group who remember, I used to love quizzes. And not quizzes about actual facts, things that you could reasonably know, but just quizzes about stuff that happened like four or five months ago, just to, just to, <laughs> just to do something different. So I have a super quiz here. One of the questions is, who was Mike in our first week at Val's house? Difficult. Difficult to answer. Um, <laughs> so, so I know, this is what I was doing. This is why I had to leave. So I had to go to Norwich. I was not doing much of So... So, so again, to me, maybe like this is how I can define myself. These are some of the things I've done for God. Um, and then even better, um, I, play, I started playing basketball. So maybe, maybe that will help. I can show you my kit. Play for Reefham. Team in Reefham 34. It's a bit too big. It's a bit too big. The away one's a bit better. Um, so, maybe, so maybe all those things, all those facts I've told you, do you think now maybe like you know who I am? See, may, maybe you do. 
maybe we're a bit closer. But ultimately, all of this doesn't define me because um, I could get an injury and maybe like playing basketball or something I wouldn't be able to do. So I couldn't define myself that way. Or um, and maybe um, something else would happen to me. Um, or I, again, I'd move, as I did. Um, I'd move to Norwich. So, so all the things I was doing for God here, I would stop doing. And then, well, would I still be defined by them? Could they still be kind of my identity, my character? Maybe not. And then even all these results and these fictitious letters about chocolates <laughs> being thrown. Um, <laughs> again, I mean, this was such a long time ago. I don't think that that would still define me. That wouldn't tell me who I am. Um, and we live in a time, don't we, in our country where everybody is, is searching, is asking that question, who am I, deeply. Um, and when you think about identity, the question is, who are you? And I want you to think maybe less about those, of those people who are outside, who feel like maybe they don't know what gender they are, or, or, or those other kind of characteristics. Instead, actually think about yourself. Um, this is an evening where I think, I want us to be reflective rather than judgmental about those people who don't worship or live the way we do. So I want us to think about that question. Have that question in your head. Who are you? Now, I think in answering that question, God takes you on a journey. God doesn't just slip you in it and say, here you go, mate, that's your name. Um, he, he does it a bit more subtly, and he actually loves us. So he takes the time to talk and journey with us, to lead us to, that, to the answer of what our identity really is. So in answering this question, I wanted to look at the life of Jacob. Um, now, Jacob lived in, uh, in a place called Canaan, which would have been like kind of eastern Israel, uh, Syria, Lebanon, so the Middle East where he lived, um, and we're going to just go through a couple of episodes that he had in his journey towards finding out who he really was. And I'm going to need your help with this, so be focused, because you may be called upon, okay, you may be called upon. So, the first episode I want to talk about was one called, that I've entitled rather, Deception, or The Deception. So the first scripture is Genesis 25, um, so if you'd open up your Bibles, whether they are electronic or good old-fashioned paper. Um, so it's Genesis 25, um, verses 24 to 34. And if you did want a paper Bible, um, just raise your hand and one can be given to you. So that's Genesis 25, verses 24 to 34. Okay, we are all there. Um, so Jacob was the son of a man called Isaac. So his parents were Isaac and Rebekah. And God had spoken to Rebekah and said, you're going to have twins, which is a great thing, generally speaking. Um, <laughs> I can imagine maybe the late nights would be even later or even longer with twins. But um, God, has told, God had told her, you're going to have twins and they're going to be two great nations and they're always going to kind of tussle. Now, in order to tell you the beginning of Jacob's story, I'm going to need two volunteers. Um, and I will give people, what, two, three seconds to be brave Stand up, be bold. To, so one of you to be Jacob and one of you to be Esau, his brother. Oh, <laughs> terrible. All right, brilliant. So Luke is our first volunteer. Wow. Cheers. Um, so <laughs> came up. Um, and then Ollie is our second. Thank you for volunteering. What a, what a great man. Can we give these people a round of applause? They've done a great job. <laughs> Tremendous. Okay, so I think, so can you be Esau? Is that okay? And then you're going to be Jacob. Yeah, simple. Right, fantastic. So I'm going to read for the story, and as we read, they're going to illustrate, they're going to bring the Bible to life for us. How great are they? Um, so, <laughs> so Genesis 25, from verse 24. 
So when the time for her, um, that's Rebecca, the mother, these two's mother, um, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twins in her womb. The first came out and was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Now, I did look around my house for a hairy garment. This is the closest thing I could find. Right, so can you just stick that over yourself? Is that okay? This is, this is what your body looks like, apparently. Um, excuse me. <laughs> I, I do. And you'll soon figure out just how hot it is. Um, so, yeah. so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So, Ollie, <laughs> the youth of today. No, can you stand? So, so Ollie, yeah, can you be facing this way, right? And then can you grab his heel? You can do it. Tremendous. <laughs> Just grabbing his heel. Yeah, I know. So, um... <laughs> okay, you can stop now, you can stop. Um, so the first thing to notice... So here, you can just stand this stuff for me. Cheers. You're not quite done. I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave that on for a second. So the first thing to notice is Jacob's name, right? So we are told that um, because he... So in verse 26, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he, so he was named Jacob. Um, this is very crude, but in the Hebrew, it's sort of like Ya'akov, right? And this bit here sounds like a word that is pronounced Akib. So can you say to the person next to you, Akib? Akib, tremendous. So Akib, Akib means heel. So essentially his name was like very crudely translated, like he who grabs the heel, all right? And sorry, can you just grab his heel oh, again? Yeah. Is that all right? Oh. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> Good job, man. This guy's been practicing. Right. So, so, so if, so when you, so if you grab someone's heel, you have to be behind them, don't you? Pretty much, most of the time. Um, and Ollie has to be facing this direction. So basically what Jacob was, and the type of person that Jacob was, he was the type of person who always wanted to get ahead. Alright? Um, you know, Esau was ahead. Esau had, Esau had the birthright, as we're going to come on to hear about. Esau had kind of, yeah, just the status that came with being older. We all, most of us have older siblings, and there is a certain status that comes with that. But obviously in the time that Jacob lived, there was an even bigger status, right? So Jacob was a tri- the type of person who would trick people, maybe trip them up, maybe deceive them, just to try and get a leg up in life. Okay, you're done. Thank you so much. All right. And if you could still, hold on there just for a second. Um, so this, this is your birthright, okay? So you hold on to that. Right. Um, now, the, la- the second part of our, our verse is here. From verse 27. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, his father, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, so can you just, just stir the pot out? Just, uh, yeah, cheers. Um, <laughs> well done. Esau, Esau came in um, from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, I'll speak on your behalf, don't worry. But you can do the actions, you can gesticulate. Yeah, go for it. Um, so he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was called Edom, um, which kind of sounds like the word red in Hebrew. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. 
What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Okay, and that is the end of your involvement. Can we give them a round of applause? Very good job. Thank you so much. So, so right at the beginning of Jacob's life, right from the beginning, he goes through this episode. He takes part in this deception that goes on to define him. So he does this, obviously, when he's, he's very young. I mean, maybe he was about teenage age, we'd assume, in his 20s. Um, and though this is, this is such a small episode, it's such a small thing, it actually goes on to define the rest of his life. And a lot of us have that, don't we? We have things that went wrong, or that we did wrong, or that we said wrong, that went on to kind of define our identity. But that's not who God ever said we were meant to be. Now, if, um, there's, is there anyone who's feeling brave today, this evening? Been out in the sun, you know, ready for anything? Anyone at all? You look like a brave, brave man to me. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there is, there is something in here. Can you take it out, please? Right, and tell me what, what they are. Oh, snails. There's a snails. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a bit of wood and some lettuce. Could, could you walk that around just generally so that people could have a look? <laughs> These are live snails, live snails. <laughs> just to be clear. Those are real snails, <laughs> as opposed to fake snails. <laughs> yeah, so those are very, very real snails. <laughs> and the reason I'm, I'm showing you those snails, beautiful looking, beautiful looking, are they? Two of them, maybe brothers, who knows. Um, great ones. And people at the back as well, let's make sure that get some love. Um, <laughs> just look at it. Yeah, so the reason I'm telling you about, I'm showing you those snails, is because there was an episode uh, from my life when I was younger that involved snails that formed me, you could say. So I know, so you might not be able to believe this, but when I was younger, when I was a kid, um, say at primary school age, I was quite quiet, I was quite reserved. I just, I, I enjoyed spending time on my own as opposed to maybe like going out and playing with other kids. I just didn't, again, the word anxiety comes to mind. There are so many things that can happen that can go wrong. It's safer in your house. It's always safer in your house. Um, so I'd stay in, I'd read my encyclopedia, you know. Um, <laughs> made me the man I am today. Don't laugh. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was tremendous time. Um, and kids would ask me to come out and play, but I, I just, I really wouldn't want to. Um, and where have those snails gone, by the way? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, so the episode that I'm thinking about in my life that actually really sticks in my head, I, I can't believe I remember this so vividly. I was about five or six years old. Um, and I thought to myself one day, you know what? I do want to go out and play. Like, why can't I be like the other kids? It would be nice maybe to like get out of my shell. That's not pun. It's just, <laughs> it would be nice to get out of my shell a bit, to, to talk to people, to have fun. Um, and, and maybe, like, if, if um, the house I was, that I lived in was about here, we, we lived on a dead-end road, on Crossways Road in South London. My house was about here, um, and then, say, maybe about where Callum is, is where the kids were. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. Good job. Um, about the kids were. And these kids were playing with snails. They were racing snails. 
This is why I was inside reading my encyclopedia. These kids were not as intelligent as I was, okay? Um, <laughs> and they're racing these stairs. They looked like they were having a good time. I came running over. I was like, Callum, I'd love to play with you. And I stepped on it. I remember this day so vividly. Um, yeah, they shouted murderer. It's terrible. Um, but, and, and just the shame I felt at that point, and I was already kind of a closed person. I became just even more closed. I thought, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to play with these kids anymore. I'm not going to talk to people. I'm not going to open up. Because when you do, bad things happen. And that, that episode kind of replayed in my head. And to be honest, that formed how I was through a lot of primary and secondary school. I wasn't that loud. I didn't talk to that many people. Um, I had some friends, but I, I don't know. I didn't go out that much again. Weirdly, because of that episode, in a way. And we've all stepped on snails, haven't we, in our life. Um, we've all done things wrong and said things wrong that we can't take back. And the world tries to tell you that actually that's who you are. You're a mistake or you're a mistake maker. But God has a better vision for you. And God had a better vision for Jacob, regardless of the mistakes that he made. So the second episode that we're going to look at is, um, has a bit more of an exciting title, actually. The second episode we're going to look at is The Wrestle. Okay, it's the wrestle. Um, so that's from Genesis 32. Now, a couple of pages flipped over. And we'll be looking at verses 22 to 30. So that's Genesis 32, verses 22 to 30. And that's on page 36 if you're in the church Bibles. Now I'm going to need a couple more volunteers for this. Bethany will be one, no doubt. <laughs> Can you be another, Amy? Up. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and your job is going to be to carry these. Okay, so right, can you, can you come? Yeah, down here, carry these. And we need two guys. One of them will be will be Gary, no doubt, no doubt, because Gary can be Gary can be Jacob in this one. Um, and David, do me a favor, do me a favor, thank you. And you're going to be God, so can you? Yeah, just get into character. Thank you. All right. <laughs> This, this, this may get dangerous. Right, so, um, <laughs> so Genesis 32 from verse 22. So, so Jacob is going back to meet his brother Esau. So the brother that he stole everything from, he's going to go back and meet him. And obviously he's afraid. He's absolutely terrified. He's amassed all this wealth. He's got all this stuff now. Um, and, and he's going to basically try and appease Esau by sending all his stuff first, and then Jacob's going to kind of come alone. All right, so, so this is your bit, guys. This is your moment. It's your 15 seconds, okay? Um, so Genesis 32, the first two verses. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maidservants and 11 sons and crossed the ford of the river Jabbok. So can you guys just cross forward? Can you just walk down to the other end with that stuff? Holding it very carefully. These are all of Jacob's possessions, okay? This is everything he has. So, and then once you get to the wall, can you just walk it back again? Is that all right? Um, yeah, so, so after he sent them, sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So obviously, in that, so if you come on back. So in this example, he's sent everything he has. So think about everything you own, everything you hold dear, your reputation almost, all the stuff you've amassed in your life. Um, yeah, bring it all the way down. Jacob's wife's not having a good day. Um, yeah, if you could just stick them by the heat up. Thank you so, so much. That is fantastic. Um, yeah, and you can go and sit down. It's done. Can we give them a round of applause as well? Beautiful holding. Nothing dropped. Um, now, this is the exciting bit. Right, so Jacob was left alone. 
and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. So now, so, and, and, so it says a man, it could be an angel, um, people say it was God. So if you could, if you could just engage in a, in a, in a general <laughs> wrestle, nothing too strenuous, you know what I mean? No bones broken. Callum's got that sorted. We want to, uh, no, 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 no. This isn't WWE, mate. Oh. This is, yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, just a bit of a wrestle. <laughs> a bit of a tussle. So when the man, so this is David, saw that he could not overpower him, so he couldn't overpower Gary somehow, um, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. So just give it a poke. And it's, oh my goodness. <laughs> right, terrible. Okay. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, so if you grab him, just don't let him go, just hold him, there you go. Um, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. All right, so can we give them a round of applause? They did an absolutely... <laughs> they did an absolutely tremendous job. So that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a weird episode, isn't it? This idea of this man re- meeting Jacob, meeting Gary as he crosses over this river without any of his possessions and then wrestling with him. What, what could that possibly mean? So again, to maybe think about the meaning of um, this bit of scripture, we have to look at Jacob's name again. So, so yeah, again, the way it sounds in Hebrew. Um, is Yaakov. So that idea, so obviously that's like the word for heel, so the back of your foot, but also the idea of grabbing someone's heel comes with the idea of striving or wrestling. So he was almost, obviously he was the one who grabs the heel who deceives, but Jacob was also the one who wrestles, the one who's who's in conflict. And a lot of the time God would... um, well, God was in Jacob, was in conflict with Jacob because of the way that, because of some of the things that Jacob was doing. Um, but Jacob was always in conflict, always in conflict with those around him. And when I think about this episode and I think about what happened to Jacob, I realise that actually God slowed him down. God waited until he just got rid of all his possessions, all of, all of his stuff, all this irrelevant stuff that was, that was kind of clouding his mind. When that was all off to one side and Jacob was on his own, God wrestled with him. And um, when I was listening to some lectures and some um, sermons on this topic, someone made the point, it's so interesting, that actually our life, our walk with God, <laughs> it's less of a walk in the park and it's more of a wrestle, if you know what I mean. Um, God is trying to wrestle us one way, trying to do what's best for us, trying to bless us. And we wrestle with him and say, no, actually, I, I want to go my own way. And ultimately, what God wants is to wrestle with all of us is to actually touch the lives of every single one of us so that we changed, so that we're different people for him. Um, and when I think about that wrestling, I think about um, when I first met God. So I first actually probably encountered God when I was about 18 years old. Um, and I was at university up in Staffordshire. And, I, and at this point, I, I felt like I'd had enough of kind of being in, an introvert generally. So I thought... I'll give that up, I'll kind of, you know, I'll reinvent myself. Like, at this point, I want to have fun, um, I want to have some more friends, I want to talk to people. So I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just change my whole approach to life, which I tried to do. Um, but one night, one night, and I still remember it so, so vividly, um, 
I just experienced God's spirit. And God kind of showed me that the things I was trying to change myself, I couldn't, I couldn't change myself. I couldn't continue to try and look to all my possessions as um, not just physical possessions, but also the identity I was trying to create for myself. And often we, we, we try and we find our identity, we find our happiness, our joy from when we're younger, being liked, when we get a bit older, being respected, people looking up to us, people thinking that we're intelligent, people thinking that we're wealthy. Um, and I'd put so much of my trust, so much of my identity in that. But God had to take me to a place where he put all the possessions, all that junk to one side, and he said, listen, like Lute, I want to wrestle with you. And that's what God says to every single one of us, every single one of us in, that, in this room. Like Jacob, he says, I, I know the world has called you a certain name. I know you've, you know, you've stepped on snails, you've made mistakes. But those dis- mistakes don't define who you are. And actually, I want to meet you. God says, today, I want to wrestle with you. I want you to be changed by my word, by who I am. And if this is something you haven't experienced, I think... It, it, sometimes it feels like a bit of a trick question. Oh, you know, if you haven't experienced God comes to find it's like you, you know in your heart, and I just really pray that God would speak to you and that you talk to someone today, today, and say that you want to wrestle with God. You want to meet him. You want to be changed into the person that he's creating you to be. So there's one final episode now. One final episode in, in Jacob's life and one final episode in all of our lives that God wants to take us to. And I've, and I've entitled that episode, The Embrace. So, The Embrace. Um, and we'll be looking at Genesis 35, verses 9 to 13. And again, we're kind of, kind of, we're going to follow on from the idea of that name change, the idea of Jacob turning into Israel and what that might mean for us. So, looking at that scripture, Jacob, um, <laughs> Genesis 35, verses 9 to 13. So after Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. So the embrace, the embrace, I love that word. Because there's a difference between kind of seeing someone and maybe, so Luke, again, if you'd you'd stand up because you're my best friend. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so the difference between seeing, so if I, if I saw Luke, I haven't seen Luke in a while, so years, um, and I was like, hey mate, you right? You know? That, like, that's not quite an embrace, is it? We, we do have a handshake. So we could do our handshake. That would be okay. Maybe we could give him a bit of a, we're close. We, we've seen each other, generally. But if I embraced him, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> If I embraced him, it would mean something different. It would mean that I accepted him as he is, and he can accept himself as he is. All right, so thank you very much. You take a seat. <laughs> um, but, but the problem with this 
the problem with totally accepting God is often we think, if, if I really do actually give everything up to him, he'll almost do away with all this stuff. He'll do away with all these achievements and he'll say they don't mean anything. But when we look at the change in name that Jacob went through, we actually see that what God wants to do, and it's such a beautiful picture that Gary shared, in terms of that broken jar, that broken vessel. God doesn't want to just sweep all that stuff away and start again. He wants to take all your pieces and make it into something even more beautiful. He wants to bring your life to fulfillment as opposed to just destroying it and saying, oh, let's start again. Because when we look at the name of Jacob again, so we'll go back to this. That name of Jacob was changed to the name and I'm going to try and get this right. You always hope whenever you, try and, whenever you talk about the original language of Greek or whatever, that no one in this room actually knows Greek, because then I can just say whatever. Um, <laughs> so, change his name to Israel. Yisrael. Um, and this bit here uh, means, is a, it's short for a word called Elohim, which I'm assuming people might have heard of, so the idea of God. That's essentially G-O-D over there. Um, <laughs> and, and this bit, of, of course, as we said, it still means like strives, contends. But so does this bit. This means to kind of, to strive, to contend. Now, if someone could turn back in their Bibles for me, just a couple of pages, back to Genesis 32, verse 28. Just one page back. We'd see that God had already renamed Jacob, hadn't he? So then the man, um, either it's angel of God or God himself, I'm going to say, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. So ultimately what God wants to do in our lives is he wants to say, I know you've experienced the deception. You've done things wrong when you were young, maybe young in the faith, um, at a younger time in your life, or at the very beginning of your life. But those mistakes don't define who you are. Those mistakes aren't your name. Even though the world has given you a name, they've said maybe that you're unintelligent, or you're stupid, or you're clumsy, because of mistakes you've made. That's not the name that God wants to give you. Ultimately, God wants to wrestle with you. He wants to engage with you, and get to know you, and for you to get to know him, so that eventually you can get to know yourself. God longs to give you a new name. And that new name doesn't do away with what went before. It actually brings it to fulfillment. Because this name is the name that Jacob was always meant to have. He went in a different direction. Again, he made mistakes. But that's not the path that God had set before him. That's not the path that God sets before any of us. The path of destruction. He sets before you a path of life, of goodness, of joy, of peace. And he longs to change your name. Um, I started listening to, I started listening to this Catholic monk. Maybe this will now actually get me kicked out of the church for good, and I will just have to stay in Norwich. But I started listening to this Catholic monk um, called John Main, um, and he had this phrase, and it's really stuck in my head. It's stuck in my head for the longest time. And he said that salvation is hearing God call your name for the first time. Salvation is hearing God call your name for the first time. Um, and as I've got older. Obviously, I'm still on a journey, I believe, to find out who I am, who God has called me to be. 
what my ultimate purpose is. Um, but I've realized, especially over the last couple of months, God has really taught me about my identity. Um, I, I identified myself as someone who was good at my job, um, which is always a good thing. Generally, you're meant to work hard for the kingdom and, and for our earthly masters. Um, I also identified myself as, yeah, someone who, who led youth at this church. You know, I preached, I, I, I talked to people about God. Um, but when all that stuff kind of gets taken away, when all that stuff moves and shifts, if you base your identity on that, you lose yourself. You don't just lose those experiences. You actually lose yourself. And moving to Norwich was very difficult because I, I felt like I honestly left, I lost myself because I wasn't very good at my job. And I'm still not tremendous at it. And it's still a struggle. Um, and it got to a point where I felt like I could even pray, especially um, about like last month. I just made a mistake at work. Um, I stepped on a big old snail, squashed it totally. And uh, people, other people from work had to get involved. My managers had to try and help me. And it was just the lowest... I know, it, and I know it's silly. I, I realise it's silly. But um, it was one of the lowest points I've, I've had, actually, in my work with God. Because I put so much focus on, I'm the person who's good at my job. That's who I am. And when that was taken away, I, I, it's silly again, but I, I honestly found it difficult to even communicate with God because I thought that was my name. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was my name. But God wanted to bring um, my life to fulfillment, and especially the last couple um, months. have just been such a blissful time with God, even though things have gone, so many things have gone so spectacularly wrong. Um, but I've had a joy and a peace I've never had before. Because I've, he- I've heard God call my own name and tell me who I am and who I'm meant to be. So God longs to tell you your own name. Because if you knew who you really were, you'd live the way you're meant to live. Um, so many of, of the things that we do wrong, that we do wrong to ourselves, that we do wrong to other people, come from that problem of not knowing who we really are. Because, for example, if, if, if I knew I was really a trainee solicitor, at Norfolk County Council. On Monday, I would drive back up to Norwich and I'd, and I'd do my job. But if I didn't know that, if I wasn't aware of my identity, if I wasn't aware of who I was, I mean, I might drive to Las Vegas, you know? Just, <laughs> just chill out, have Nando's, and, and ultimately I would get fired, wouldn't I? Well, you'd hope. Um, <laughs> so what God wants to do in terms of changing us is he, he wants to change our identity first and then our function will change. God wants to change your name first, to reveal to you who you really are, so you can live the life you were always called to live. God is longing to reveal that name, and that name can come to you through different methods, um, or different avenues, rather. And one of those ways is, is, is here. This is, this is good for a lot of things, um, and people use it for a lot of things it's not good for, don't they? But the reason it's here is to tell you who you are, so you don't have to... Look at your achievements and your mistakes as some kind of measure of who you might be. Some of the things that um, God says about you and you and you and all of us in here is that we're blessed, is that we're forgiven, is that we're restored, we're renewed, we're redeemed, we're holy, we're special, we're loved. That is your name. If anyone tries to tell you differently, (laughs) tell them that, that God has named me, God has called me by name, love has called me by name. And no one else can change that. So ultimately, God wants to change our name because he wants, us, wants to stop us from trying to justify ourselves. Um, I think definitely in terms of this, in terms of speaking to people, I always used to do it to prove a point. 
It was always about proving a point. It was always about proving to God, I'm good enough to do this. It was always about proving to the person that asked me to speak, I'm good enough to do this. God wants to stop all that. He wants to cut out that whole equation. When you go to school, when you go to work, it's not about being good enough. When you're at home with your family, you're not proving anything to them. You're accepted by God. You're accepted by Jesus. And that's all that matters. So you're the measure and you're the standard. But God doesn't want you to be comfortable. He's not, he's not called your name and told you that you know, you're special, you're loved, you're redeemed, so that you can sit back, basically, and, and do nothing. If you look at Genesis 35, verse 11, in t- when God gives Jacob this new name, he says, And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your own, from your own body. So God was longing to change Jacob's name so that he could tell Jacob what it is he was meant to do, where it is he was meant to be. And when God changes us, we inevitably change others. We inevitably bless others. We will naturally be a blessing. So, so much of our life we're striving. You know, I'm striving to change you. I'm striving to change you. But ultimately, we need to wait for God to give us that identity. To, and we need to hear our name. So remember that you're redeemed, you're blessed, you're forgiven. You've been given a name that is special and that's only yours. And you're, you are the standard in your own life. God is trying to create the best version of you through you. So if anyone ever asks you what your identity is, who you are, you can tell them that you're God's child first and only. Um, if the band would come up at this point, uh, or not, <laughs> that is fine. Um, you all have pieces of paper on your tables. Um, and something that I, I, think, that, that I thought would be good, a, a way for um, God to bless us, would be for us to write our names on that piece of paper, if we feel led. And then bring that piece of paper to the front and uh, pop it in here. And then I have another box. Uh, and this is a box of new names. So I've really prayed into this. Um, and I pray that God would really communicate to you through it. So place your old name in that box. Not that it's, it's bad um, or, is this bit, or that it's been ruined. But it's that God wants to give you a new name. Okay, so as you feel led, um, just write, name, write your name on that piece of paper and pencil. Place it in that box and come um, to the altar and take a new name from Jesus. So uh, I will just pray at this point. Lord, I just I thank you and I praise you um, for everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, everything that you are, Lord. Um, I pray into the deception, I pray into the lies that have been told about us, Lord. Um, and I pray that those, those lies would just be broken in your name. I pray that you break every lie over every, every life in this room. Lord, wrestle with us, meet with us, and ultimately embrace us. Teach us what our true name is, Lord. Teach us to know you and teach us to follow you all the days of our life. Amen. Amen.